0: Mommy, can we talk about technology? Sure, Ava. Welcome to Therapy and Technology, where we host a conversation regarding technology and how it's integrated in the counseling profession. So the conversation you are about to hear is between myself and Dr. Rachel Alvader. And boy, did I have a ton of fun with her. She is a wealth of information and she has so many little tidbits to give to us that will definitely help you integrate technology into practice. And by the way, if you haven't already, please feel free to join my group on Facebook, The Hybrid Practice. I hope you enjoy this episode. Even talking to you via like messaging, I'm like, oh my gosh, she is like, so my wavelength regarding your energy. And I was like, this is who I need to talk to. So oh, that was I love real it. Cool. Oh, I'm so glad.
1: <laughs> I'm so glad you put something out. I feel like we all kind of connect and align if and when we're meant to. And I-, I was like, "Oh, I saw you posted something. Let me reach out." And it just worked out so well. So I'm so glad. Yes. I'm all about connecting and networking, all about it. So this is absolutely. wonderful.
0: So if anyone is listening, then they can reach out to us and and network with us. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So we're so we're going to um so for anybody who is listening, I am here talking to the one and only Dr. Rachel Altbader. And I'm excited to talk to you because as we continue to embrace technology and and really incorporate it into our practices and work with our clients, there are so many aspects to it that I have just been blown away. And when I saw your bio, I was like, she is phenomenal. (laughs) I have to talk to her. Uh, And so... Can you tell us a little bit about who you are and and then we'll start from there? Absolutely.
1: So I am a licensed psychologist in Maryland, uh, Washington, D.C. and Virginia. I registered play therapist supervisor, a uh, certified clinical trauma professional. And um, I kind of I'm all over. I sprinkle all over the DMV area. And for those of you who are listening who are unfamiliar, DMV is just D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. Um, so I, I just opened my own practice in, uh, the outskirts of Baltimore, uh, in Baltimore County. It's called Creative Psychological Health Services.
0: Congratulations. Thank you. So
1: exciting. I'm so excited. Yes. Um, and then I, um, also am an affiliate faculty member at Loyola University, Maryland in Baltimore. And then I work at a practice in Fairfax, Virginia. Um, so I do a bit of commuting all over the DMV area, like I was saying, um, yes. but I, I, I love it. I enjoy it. Um, so so that's just a little snapshot about me. I kind of like to do things here, do things there. Uh, maybe that's why you were stumbling upon me here and there because,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I sprinkle you, you, my happiness all over. <laughs> that's beautiful. Uh, are you are you doing in person th- face to face therapy? Are you transitioning to online counseling? Like, are you even entertaining that? Like, where are you with that?
1: Yeah, I'm primarily in person. I actually am providing teletherapy to a wonderful uh, client in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I got my my taste at some international, uh, teletherapy and would love to incorporate more online counseling, uh, moving forward, especially with adolescents and um, adults. Mm
0: -hmm, So something mm -hmm.
1: I would like to expand in the
0: future. Um, not quite doing it so much now, but definitely open to it. Right. So, so when we talk about working with children and using technology in our work, what are some of the myths that you have come across that, that you notice a lot of people, a lot of providers, uh, fall into?
1: For starters, um, so I'm a play, a registered play therapist, and uh, I always have to explain to parents and and even sometimes other professionals that um, I'm not just playing. So a lot of times that people, people believe that you're just playing and what therapeutic value does that have a child will come home and say, I had so much fun. We played, you know, (laughs) which is great. And, you know, but there's so much therapeutic value to it. So I say this because when it comes to technology, I'm noticing it's the same thing. Well, you're just playing this app or you're just talking about video games. Like let's, let's talk about the problems. Mm -hmm, (laughs) And, And and something that I have to educate a lot of people about is play in general. Um, Dr. Gary Landreth, he's a, a renowned play therapist. He says that play is a child's natural mode of communication. Toys are like their words and play is like their language. And tech- absolutely. And what I'm adding to that is technology is a modern day facilitator of Child's communication. Oh yeah, oh
0: yeah. And you know, you see it because the three-year-olds are are, are you know, using iPads and and phones now.
1: Yes. Yeah, that's how they're communicating. So to think that kids are just playing or just on technology, and I'm air quoting right now. Right. <laughs> um, there's actually so much more that is is occurring. So that, that's a myth that it's just playing or just talking about tech. And it's it's much more than that. Um, something else too that, that tends to be um, a myth, at least partially, is just how much of a detriment it is to children and their development. There's mixed findings in the literature. And I think what happens a lot of times are people they read an article and it has a very convincing title and you know people then take that as fact when sometimes right. those articles are opinion articles, sometimes it's just one-sided. I always like to let everyone know, professionals, right. parents, anyone, be good consumers of the research. Right. Because we might think that something is factual. And sure, maybe there's a research study or a couple research studies that does suggest a particular outcome. There are also other research studies that may have a different outcome. So we have to just be good consumers. Um, mm-hmm. So those are two two main myths that um, that I usually try to to help people combat uh, when uh, <clears throat> approaching
0: this topic. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I, I, I'm a strong believer that, you know, Research. I can get I can get anyone to believe anything I want them to 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 believe if I find the right articles to make a persuasive argument. So mm-hmm. all research in some some way, shape, or form is, I think, uh, subject to being flawed. Um, if you, the person isn't being true to the to the findings and the research that was done. So um, yeah, that's really interesting. So now that therapists are incorporating so much technology into their sessions with with clients and person, well, specifically children, and for this case. You know, how can they be more proactive with incorporating technology into their play therapy?
1: Yeah, you know, I think ultimately what I'm noticing is there's a lot of discomfort because a lot of people haven't received training in this area. Um, There are some books now starting to come out and there's more research coming out, but it's still a relatively new area. So there's a lot of clinicians that feel quite uncomfortable with incorporating um, technological Choice into sessions. Um, so ultimately, how to go about it would be to first become comfortable enough with it yourself, you know, assess, how much do you rely on technology? Is it something that you are consistently engaging in every day? Is it something that you have as i like to call and I'm not, I'm not knocking anyone. I just uh, usually right. just make fun of my dad, but <laughs> a dinosaur <laughs> phone, you know, if you, do you have it? But I'm saying, you know, if you, if you don't have the newest technologies and you're just not, you know, up to date with it and uncomfortable with it, that's okay. That's totally up to the individual, but not, but, and, right? <laughs> you know, it, it, for those individuals, it makes it harder to incorporate. So like I was saying, it's always good to start off at a place where you are feeling comfortable enough yourself to even consider, um, incorporating technology into sessions, mm-hmm. being able to explore it on your own, assessing your own biases, and then moving forward with uh, actually incorporating various interventions that we can talk about in a couple more minutes. But I say this because ultimately people are, if, if you're bringing some of your own discomforts into the session, the child is going to pick up on it. Children right. are so perceptive
0: mm-hmm. and they
1: pick up on so much more than we realize sometimes. Yes. Because they are just constantly soaking in all the information from their environment, so then they are really picking up on the intricacies. Um, Yes. If you come into a session and are uncomfortable but really want to try to meet the child where they are and incorporate tech, the kid might pick up on the discomfort and could potentially internalize it. A lot of times children do that. If there's some discord going on around them, they internalize, they think it's their fault. Right. So you bring in tech, you feel uncomfortable. It's your own stuff. But then the child picks up on the discomfort and thinks that you don't like them. So
0: So. actually that, that really answers my, my next question I was going to talk to you about, like what are some of the barriers to working with tech in sessions with children, but also, you know, really pushing the, Fact and idea that if you're not comfortable, don't even bring it into to session with them. Yeah, because it could cause more damage than actually good. Especially if you're they're exploring while they're there with you. That I think that's horrible. Yes, um, yeah. Yes. So. I, I use an iPad, so which usually, and especially if I find really cool YouTube videos that I think really portray an idea that I wanted the the kids to to see, and it's like a short two-minute cartoon that talks about sadness, and then we can follow up with a conversation. Um, um, I haven't, but one thing I haven't found on there, and maybe I just don't know where, which is going to be something I'm going to ask you in a couple of minutes, but resources for them to play games on there that are therapeutic. Um but maybe I can ask you about that. Like, if, if folk are trying to incorporate technology into their practice of working with children, you know, what what technological games are there, if any, that are therapeutic or EBT, you know, um, for them to use with the kids?
1: Yeah, so there's usually two overarching themes that I like to talk about. One is themes in, in games or technological uh, interventions. So there mm-hmm. are particular technology opportunities, I guess I'll call them, Mm -hmm. that are geared towards therapists or therapy. Um, So you can search for specific apps, we'll say, um, on your mobile device or on a tablet that are geared for therapy purposes. Then there are some um, other opportunities Mm -hmm. that um, are not necessarily geared towards therapy specifically, but they can be used in a therapeutic way. So an example would be YouTube. YouTube mm-hmm. in general isn't necessarily geared towards therapy. There might be particular uh, videos in YouTube, like you were explaining, mm-hmm. not in, on YouTube, um, right. that provide therapeutic value. But then there could be some videos on YouTube that um, are, are not, like I said, are not intended for therapy, but then you can really find therapeutic value in it. So for example, I feel like I'm, I'm kind of talking about the same thing over. So let me give a, an example instead. Mm-hmm. I sometimes we'll come in with a particular YouTube video that I think would be beneficial for someone. There's one particular like dove commercial that I love all about um, self acceptance, self esteem, yes, self worth. I love those, especially mm-hmm. for adolescents. I, I think it's such a powerful um, series of videos. Right. So that I might bring in. Now there might be other times where um, a client will bring in a YouTube or tell me they want to show me a YouTube video and it might be um, a part of an episode of a TV show that they watched, or it might be um, some friends doing something fun together. Um, I always try to assess when they show me that, what are they trying to tell me? What are they trying to show me? And how is this therapeutic for them? Mm -hmm. Because ultimately, if someone is bringing something into the session, they're bringing it in for a reason. If they want to show you something, they're showing you because they're trying to tell you something. Right. Right. We may not know exactly what it is. Just like through play, we can try to interpret here or there, but sometimes we really shouldn't interpret. And I don't like to use the word shouldn't, but right. ultimately, unless a child attaches a meaning to it, we can't necessarily fully know what is the reason, um, you know, behind what they're showing. But we can guess. You know, this is their background. This is their presenting concerns. This is their difficulty this week, and this is what they're showing me. Do I draw any parallels? Are there themes in what they're showing me? So, um, so ultimately, you know, going back to your original question, just, um, you know, some of the, the particular, uh, like resources, I usually suggest for people to just to start with getting comfortable with um, technological interventions to just go on a search engine, and Mm -hmm. to type in, um, you know, apps for um, depression, or, Oh. Um, YouTube videos for, you know, or videos for anxiety. You know, if you want to just start searching that way, you can then begin to see what's out there that maybe are is specifically geared towards therapy. Once mm-hmm. you become more comfortable with that, then it's more likely that you'll be able to trust the process, be a little bit more okay with letting go and having people bring things in themselves and then being able to assess the value at that point.
0: Right. Um, now I think another- that's good ad- advice. That was really good. That was good advice. Oh, good advice. <laughs> okay, glad. keep going. Yeah, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I don't want to interrupt you. Oh,
1: no, no. It's so good. Yeah. Um this is outside of uh, actual like direct interventions, but um there's a new book out that I was uh very fortunate to be a contributing author in. Um the editor is Dr. Jessica Stone and the book is called Integrating Technology into Modern Therapies. Mm. Um it's wonderful. It's a research-based uh textbook. And it provides an overview of uh, technological developments in therapy. So there, there's some authors that talk about therapeutic texting. Uh, there's some authors that talk about virtual reality programs. Some talk about tablet apps and online games. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a couple authors that also talk about specified populations, like working in particular populations and how to incorporate technology. So that is a wonderful new book that is very research focused. I yes. think in our, our field, we want evidence based and research informed yes. resources. So that mm-hmm. is a wonderful book. If you're looking for something to increase your understanding and comfort, that would be good um, to. To focus on. There's yes. also, um, I, I just found out that there is a new journal coming out. Uh, I believe it's called Technology Mind Behavior um, or something along those lines. And um, I'm, I'm guessing, thinking <laughs> that uh-huh. they uh, might be talking more about technology as well. Um, maybe incorporating in, in in therapy would be yeah. my guess. Yeah. So that might be something good too. And there's trainings, trainings are popping up everywhere. Um, it's becoming more prevalent, um, still, you know, in the beginning stages of, of hopefully, you know, a a more long-term movement. Yes. Uh, But there, there's a technology mind and society conference, American psychological association puts that on now. Um, there's a lot of teletherapy, uh, training. So other ways that you as professionals could obtain additional resources and comfort in this area.
0: Oh. That's amazing. And just to, you know, let our audience know that you are, um, that journal that you were talking about, actually, um, I was looking at something. It, it's supposed to be, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, released for the first edition, 2020. Yes. So, so you are cool. so on point with that, and I am so excited. I'm so excited about the direction the field is going with the technology. And it's like so neat. Yes. It's like how can we ignore something that's so huge in our social interactions with one another? Uh, it, it just makes sense. So. Exactly. So now we, we, we touch upon barriers a little bit, but, you know, I would like you to expound a little bit. What are some barriers to using? And I hate to say barriers because I feel like we have to get over them, <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. but being
0: aware is being in, in control. So, you know, what are some barriers we should be aware of before uh, providing technology, you know, assistance with our therapeutic sessions? Yes,
1: I want to start off uh, b- just as a preliminary comment before answering that question, yeah. I love the excitement and passion in in this conversation that we're having and um, of just the way that the field is going. And I'm hoping for more of these conversations to, to pop up um, in our field yes. because I think it's so important. And I say this because I think a major barrier is the pushback. Ah! yes the pushback you
0: know
1: know, and there's there's kind of the mindset why fix what works which makes so much sense there's a lot of research to support a lot of the present um, modalities and interventions Mm -hmm. absolutely Mm -hmm. and you know I think something maybe to combat this barrier a bit is for people to recognize that technology is an additive Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be a replacement yes um so I think that's something of well, wh- wh- why we we should have traditional toys and we should continue absolutely. to do this particular method, this particular method of therapy for all ages. And um, you know, this is what the research is saying. Yes, absolutely, continue to utilize that. It's just embrace uh, technology. Yes. So that's that's one thing. The pushback. Mm-hmm. Another thing, and I'm noticing, um, is a lot of more seasoned professionals. Uh, there's a lack of familiarity and comfort. Now I do want to say, you know, I'm not, again, I'm not knocking anyone and um, everyone is different, right? So I cannot necessarily fit every single person in one particular category. So I just want to say that because anyone listening, you know, I I like you all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's all come We all love one another. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so I'm not saying this to knock anyone. Uh, I'm just saying in my research, in i did my dissertation research on technology uh incorporating technology in therapy Mm -hmm. and um i talked with mental health professionals specifically play therapists and consistently i found out from them that they were unfamiliar and uncomfortable with technology so it is coming from a place of research Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i'm not generalizing completely um but i want to say you know a lot of uh, more early career professionals While they might be more familiar with technology, because if they're growing up more in the technology era, there still is this uncertainty with how to actually implement Mm -hmm. technological interventions, because it's generally not included in
0: training. It's not.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's another barrier that a lot of people are lacking education in this area because it's just it's not in uh, the universities.
0: I mean, I think it's coming stronger. It's going to be coming (laughs) strong. We're going to see more of a presence of it uh, coming in the next couple of years. I hope so. I hope so.
1: We'll listen back to this in the future and say,
0: oh, look how far we've come. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: And, you know, in another, another barrier, which I think I hit on this already, but just not really knowing what therapeutic value is behind technology. Um, And I think that that brings a lot of, um, not only uncertainty, but concern for how can I make sure that I'm actually supporting my clients in the way that they need Mm -hmm. if I don't even know how helpful
0: this is for them. Right, Right. Oh, that's so good. Oh my gosh. I feel like I'm like at the dinner table and you just gave me like a full plate of like chicken and potatoes. And- yes.
1: Oh, oh my so gosh. Much. I am salivating. <laughs> <laughs>
0: this is so, good. So, so now what is the most fascinating thing that you've found so far with your use of technology with children? Like, is, a, is there an example of a story or something that you like, wow, this is amazing. Like an aha moment where you're like, Oh, like, ah, oh.
1: yes. I'll speak in general terms and then I'll kind of get more specific and I'll, I'll protect confidentiality. So Yes. Sorry, um, there okay. was an interruption on my end, um, but there I'll, I'll speak more in uh, like in general terms, but then we'll be okay. able to go back to a, a little bit more of a specific example. Um, okay. So overall, it is so fascinating to see inside the child's world and inside their mind just mm-hmm. by what they show me. It's mm-hmm. so eye Um, I've learned so much about my clients. It's strengthened rapport. Ultimately, adults tend to have an interpretation of a particular technology game. So for example, something that's pretty popular Fortnite in children and yes, usually in with adults the first thing i hear is oh <laughs> 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 literally <laughs> that is what i hear. And you know, from the adult perspective it's you know and for those of you who are listening who aren't quite sure, Fortnite is a game where everyone is dropped into this <laughs> I don't know world. Yeah, and um, and they they fight to the death. Whoever yes. is the last one standing wins. It's like Hunger Games.
0: A uh, mother of four here. I, okay. I <laughs> have played plenty of times, and I'm the one who goes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and, and and usually
1: what adults will tell me, parents uh, will tell me is, well, I don't want, it's so violent. You know, I don't want them to, to, to kill each other. And, and I'm worried about, you know, them being more aggressive. And I get that. I get and the concern. Don't kill your brother. Right. I get it. I get it. Right. And it's funny because every single time I ask a child, what do you like about Fortnite? Not once has a child told me, cause I love to kill people. Wow. It's always yeah. because it's so interesting. They say, I love the dancing. And I was like, there's dancing in there. <laughs> yes, there's dancing. <laughs> they love like consistently. They love the dancing. I love playing with my friends. I'm like, mm-hmm, Oh, tell me mm-hmm. about playing with your friends. And you can then meet them where they are and then learn right. about their friends versus hmm, tell me about your school. Tell me about your friends. They're like, I don't know. We like to, you know, play video games. <laughs>
0: right, right. But then
1: when they're playing video games, like sometimes they're talking. That's right. I mean, it, it's therapy, It can be very therapeutic. I mean, even my husband. Yes. And him and his friends will talk. He talks more playing video games with his friends yes. than he does, I think, in person. I don't know. Maybe Listen, not. Listen, but... I
0: have a house full every day of kids. Oh, my <laughs> nieces and nephews in other states. They're all over here every single day. Yes. So I hear them. Absolutely. That's amazing. Yes. Yeah. So that's that's kind of more general, but more specific.
1: Um, there's another video game that was really popular a couple of years ago. It's was called Five Nights at Freddy's. Mm-hmm. Um, so what it is, it's a fear-based game. It's a video game. And ultimately, you are a security officer in this little room. And you're checking all the cameras. It's The, the setting is this creepy Chuck E. Cheese. And all of, like the, the Chuck E. Cheese characters, they're called animatronics. Mm. And they come alive at nighttime. So you as a security guard have to keep an eye on the animatronics. And then they start to move location. And then you're like, wait, they're moving. Then you realize you have to keep yourself safe and um you you don't want to be jump scared is what it's called right. where the the animatronic comes running down the hall and scares you and you need to keep checking the cameras close the door but the more you check the cameras like right, the more hyper vigilant you are the quicker your camera batteries stop working <gasps> so then the if if your batteries no longer work then you can no longer watch the uh the cameras and then are more vulnerable to being jump scared and ultimately the game ends. Oh my god! So gosh. it's called Five Nights at Freddy's because you have to stay alive for five nights, or you know, not be jump scared. Um, and every night it, it reportedly gets uh, progressively harder. Mm. Now there are various versions of Five Nights at Freddy's, but that that's generally speaking, I think what like the primary game is. Right. So I've had three separate people, three separate clients, bring in Five Nights at Freddy's in three different ways, and it's so cool how each person uh, processes the information and then ends up utilizing it in a therapeutic way. Right. Ultimately for the people that I, um, that brought this in, I, I didn't bring up five nights at Freddy's any of those times. It's just what they brought into the sessions to talk about. One person showed me a YouTube video of a grown man playing this and screaming, (laughs) And, and, and I guess I should say, side note, I specialize in trauma work. So most yes. of the, the people I will be speaking about have a trauma history, anxiety, hypervigilance, nightmares. Right. Um, so this video game really does hit on some of those intense emotions that they're experiencing. Right. Um, but one of the showed to me and talk to me about the, the video game. And actually this person, it was a teenager was able to parallel their own experiences with the video game themselves and was able to talk about it.
0: Wow. Yeah. Wow. Right. Yeah. That's good.
1: Amazing. Wow. I had another, another client that just loved to talk about it And the, and the, the parents said to them, you got to talk to Dr. Rachel about X, Y, and Z. You know, you have to talk about your nightmares and you have to talk about, you know, what's what you're having a hard time with. Come to find out, you know, or I, I drew the parallel, but also it seemed to fit pretty well, that this child wasn't able to fall asleep at night because they were laying in bed awake, terrified that someone was going to come into their room. Not because of the video game, because mm-hmm. of their trauma, because that was what happened with their trauma. Right. So they played the game because it was hitting on that, their amygdala, but all of the internal brain structures that w- were activated mm-hmm. with their stress response. Mm. as soon as they were able to really talk through the game with me show me the different characters tell me which characters they identified with and and worked on relaxation techniques to help de-escalate the the stress response they were like yeah you know this game is too scary i don't want to play it anymore
0: wow mm-hmm. wow talk about healing that is amazing and then, i'm like like and, melting oh, in my chair. <laughs> <laughs> Chills. <laughs> I really am
1: getting killed. It's fascinating. Oh, and then oh. the other, the one last uh, child that um, brought it in a different way, it was um, a, a family uh, discord concern, uh, not so so trauma in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- this person had never actually played the game, but had heard about it and actually had had played it. I should say hasn't actually physically played the video game, but played it out with their friend, like mm-hmm. in in the room, and they. Them, I mean, week after week after week, this person was very, very anxious, minimally engaged with me. Like, it was very hard for them to open up, understandably so. But as soon as they started talking about Five Nights at Freddy's and actually set up the whole room, we made forts, moved the couch around and pillows and blankets and everything was moved around. We actually recreated Five Nights at Freddy's, but in the wow. session. And I was the scared, the feared, um, the... Uh, what's it called the security officer the one that was scared of what was going on and the child was the one who was um the one in control the animatronics right Mm -hmm. which in play therapy for those of you who might not be familiar a huge thing about play therapy work is helping the child regain a sense of control a sense of permissiveness um sense of autonomy uh power yes because a lot of times children feel like the small person in the room that's right and so by being able to engage in play and they're the ones to to manipulate it and i don't mean that in a negative way i just mean they're manipulating the play to the way that they need um they're able to work through their problems because they're able to have that power and control so through this play that's exactly what they were doing they were working on confronting their anxieties by recreating this in the in the room yeah yeah so what i did as the scared security officer who was hiding in the fort i verbalized everything that i was feeling you know ch- channeling what i assumed that this client was feeling and channeling what i assumed that the security officer would be feeling and i was i'm so scared i get really into the play by the way people <laughs> might think in the <laughs> other room that something is going on like they might need to check like uh, is everything okay like i'm scared <laughs> scared right because oh
0: my god because if
1: you're like oh i'm so scared it's, it's not convincing no. right, right you, you gotta, gotta into go the into the character. play yes
0: absolutely <laughs> i'm so for that yes I'm so for it i'm in the fort like i'm
1: so scared <laughs> i don't know what to do and like okay and then i engage in, in self-talk but outwardly because i'm trying to teach the client
0: okay right. what should
1: i do i'm really scared right now i'm feeling really overwhelmed okay i'm gonna take a deep breath <sighs> you know, and I'll go through that. Okay, what else can I do to calm myself down? Because I'm really scared right now. And then I'll just continue to teach indirectly that way. Instead of sitting down with the kid and saying, you know, if, if we would have never done that, I'm sure something would have hopefully come out some way. But right week after week, this child sat in the chair and like minimally engaged. And this is the most active that this person was right and was able to oh. work through it. I yeah, it was amazing, and that really also opened up their comfort in the therapy room, and and moving forward after that
0: had started to transpire, was actually able to really open up a lot more.
1: Right. So, um,
0: which was probably really great because it came from a natural like a natural sense of things of heat that he was already involved in or was was comfortable with Mm -hmm. you see rather than you giving him prompts that he's like okay yeah 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 right you know i feel (laughs) like therapists sometimes forget to like take into consideration what do the clients currently do on a regular basis that can be incorporated into the sessions yes uh that that will bring it bring a more natural conversation about to move towards healing. I I think it's so awesome that you also like getting to character and act during your session. Like how much coffee do a day. I
1: I am so energetic. If you ask any of my, any of my friends, any of my friends who might be listening to this, they're, they're probably like, uh huh.
0: I am so energetic. I felt your energy before I even talked to you. I was like, I have to talk to this woman. I don't know who she is, I I think I even remember. I said, I said, our energies match. I have to talk to you. Yes. But this is so amazing. Listen, oh my gosh, Dr. Rachel, like this is so much information. I feel like I have to have like two and three conversations with you because this is such a heavy area. And I feel as though play therapy is just tapping into one area because I'm going to be honest with you. I was like, okay, I'll have my conversation with her but there's so many different areas that you cover so we definitely definitely have to talk again absolutely Um, but let me but let me end with this so what kind of tech advice if you would just give a piece of advice to someone who's like you know i want to incorporate technology into my sessions with the children but i'm not sure really how to get started like what piece of advice would you give therapists out there
1: yes i have five main points the first the first is explore technology on your own Okay. You want to establish comfort first, because as I already explained, you don't want any of your own stuff to come into the session and affect the client. Mm-hmm,
0: so that's mm-hmm. the first
1: thing. The second thing is research the use of technology in therapy and be good consumers of that research, which we okay. already talked on touch base on as well. Um, the third thing is you want to establish ground rules, limits, boundaries, whatever you mm-hmm. know, whatever you may decide. Regarding technology in your sessions, are you okay with having the client bring in technology? Do you want to be the one that brings in the technology? Do you want to make sure that you have a separate technological device for therapy? You were mentioning you have a tablet. I also have a tablet for my room. I only Mm -hmm. use it for therapy Therapy. purposes. Mm -hmm. I do not have my email attached to it. I do not have my calendar attached to it. Gotcha. Nobody will be able to access anything that way. So you just got to make sure that you're paying attention to what you'd be okay with, what you wouldn't be okay with, and you decide. Um, the next thing is you want to gradually expose yourself and your clients to technology. So, you know, you can start by having them talk about video game that they like, and then you can move into having them show you, or you show them a YouTube video. Uh And then you can eventually move into maybe using, you know, an app, a relaxation app that has different calming tones. And eventually you can move into incorporating it more. But if you're uncomfortable, you, it's better to ease into it. Right. Kind of like tiptoe your toes into the pool rather than just jumping in yes yes (laughs) um and then having a shot to your system (laughs) okay it's not that serious but right um and then the last thing is um just continue to engage in self-reflection on your feelings surrounding technology in general and in treatment because we have to listen to how we're truly feeling and um, that's really going to influence the work that we provide and ultimately the the benefit that our clients obtain from sessions. So those it. are my five main points.
0: Yes. Oh, oh, oh. I'm going to give you a round of applause. Oh, thank you. You're this. so wonderful. I love this conversation. <laughs> Me too. Oh, uh, we, are, we are definitely going to talk again because yes. there are some, you know, it's amazing because when I started therapy and tech, I know there are other therapy and tech podcasts out there, but when I started mine, it was in a group of people who were really like, kind of like, uh, I, I would like to say on a fence about, okay, how am I incorporating this? And because I have so many connections to the different schools I, I work with, it, it just just blew up, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, this conversation is so needed." So we yeah. are definitely going to really expand this conversation. And anybody, if anybody wanted to get in, to- in touch with you, how could they do that? So I am in the process of having some websites uh, being made right now. Okay. So as of right
1: now, the best way would be on Facebook. So I'm uh, www. dot facebook. slash dr. period, and then my full name, Rachel Altbader. Okay. Um, and I I post um, every day during the the work week um, usually in the morning it's pretty consistent at least some type of um, inspirational post or mm-hmm. something you know uh, about therapy or whatever it might be it's not necessarily technology specific although right. every once in a while I do post that but uh, but that's the best way for now and then okay. once my websites are up and running I will make an announcement on my Facebook pages and um, and we can go from there and Absolutely. I also I want to say too like I I commend every single person who's listening to this right now, because even if you are feeling uncomfortable about it, there's at least part of you who is open enough to listen to this and to try to learn. And I think that is amazing. At the end of the day, and I love that you said this earlier, if it does not work for you, you do not have to incorporate it in sessions. That is my take home message. Every single time I talk about this topic, do not incorporate it if you do not want to. Right. Right. At the same time, it is good to make sure you're staying abreast of all the research and of, of the discussions of the trainings, because this is what is happening. And it is important that we are meeting our, our clients where they are, even if it is just understanding.
0: Yes. It's coming. Whether you want it to come or not, it's it's not even coming. It's here. Run for your (laughs) lives. Thanks for tuning in, and until next time, please rate, subscribe, and share with a friend. Take care.